When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello, my love tribe. I hope that you enjoyed this wonderful conversation that I had with Phil Palucha, the founder of Billionaires in Boxers. It was truly an amazing, insightful, and holistic conversation, and I hope that you enjoy it. Hello, I'm here with Phil from Billionaires in Boxers, and he has some wonderful, valuable insight that he's going to share with us today, and I'm super excited. So thank you so much for joining us today, Phil. Thank you for having me. It's great to be here. Awesome. So I know you have such a wide variety of background. Can you just share a little bit about just your story and how you got to where you are today? Yeah, of course I can. Um, so I am the founder and CEO of Billionaires in Boxers. We are an entrepreneurial broadcast network, which is a, essentially a really fancy way of saying that we put a spotlight on entrepreneurs and business stories. So podcasts, movies, live live events, and TV. Mm-hmm. Um, love what we do. I also uh, run a group called the School for Spiritual Entrepreneurs, uh, which is a number of retreats globally that we do. This year has been slightly different with COVID, but uh, mm-hmm. a number of retreats that we do globally where I bring together clients, mentors, spiritual leaders, and we really kind of have a, a, a big session on the spiritual aspect of business you know how we were talking about this off air weren't we but how you know earning money is not necessarily an evil thing it's what you do with it and the people that you empower and help with that and it's Mm -hmm. it's helping people to reconnect with their essence learn techniques as to how to do that how to stay balanced and then how to build from from that place of uh, success I suppose Mm-hmm. Excellent. I love that. I don't think there's enough of that right now. Combined, it's either all sales or business or all spiritual. And mm. <laughs> so I love the fact that you combine that. I think that's awesome. Well, thank you. I mean, one of the things that I, I got asked when I first started doing it was, are you trying to teach spiritual people business? And my answer was almost no, I'm trying to teach business people spirituality. Mm. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it's, it's almost the other way around. I don't want to teach, you know, there's lots of people out there that will do this, but I don't want to teach some holistic therapist or massage coach or, you know, um, yoga guru how to kind of grow a business <laughs> from that. You know, mm-hmm. I've I've grown up in the corporate world. I'm a surveyor by trade and I have a love and a passion for business. But mm-hmm. having worked for lots of different businesses and lots of different clients, you know, you you really do get to see the businesses that have that that are built from your essence and they have care and love and support and that customer experience and that customer journey at the heart of it mm-hmm. and you can spot them a mile off from the businesses who exist solely to make a profit mm-hmm. oh absolutely and usually it doesn't sustain very long it they usually run out of a lot of content or just something that is deeper it's usually on very surface for sure yeah, mm-hmm. very, very much so. And, you know, I think one of the, the joys of what we do is that there are lots of people in our network who I suspect your listeners will even already know, but you wouldn't know that they were building a business from their spiritual center because mm-hmm. it's not something that they feel the need to go and shout about. This is a, you know, spirituality is, is very often a very personal journey. It's a personal experience. And some people are happy to to almost start a podcast and just talk about that as you have. And it's very much a, this is how we're doing it. And let's learn from other people. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then there are other people who, you know, they, they almost don't even discuss it with their spouses. You know, it's, mm-hmm. it's a very personal thing to them. And, mm-hmm. you know, I, I will never judge somebody for the way that they handle that, that spiritual journey. But um, I do like people when they at least to give them the tools to know that they can go and meditate, they can go and reflect. There are things like guided meditations out there, you know, mm-hmm. even of like the holistic treatments like Reiki and Bowen and yoga and all this kind of beautiful stuff. Like there's so much out there that can help you achieve that next level. And, and one prescription, one size does not fit all. So you have to really experiment to see what works best for you. Mm hmm. Absolutely. And what's been kind of your journey with meditation? Because I know some people are 
it's been around forever, but I think now it's starting to become more popular. People are like, maybe I should check out this whole meditation thing. <laughs> yeah, I love that. So I've been meditating for a very, very long time, good few decades mm -hmm. now, which I'm fortunate about. My, um, my, I have a, had a very spiritual grandmother. She passed away when I was younger, but um, mm. part of the, the gift that she left me was uh, her friend ran the Transcendental Meditation Training School in Liverpool that actually was one of the centers that was uh, training the Beatles back in the 60s. Oh, wow. Uh, um, and she spoke <laughs> to them and said, look, I want you to give him his childhood mantra and I want you to give him his adult mantra when he's old enough and, and really kind of guide him through that process. So I was fortunate enough, I think I was about 11 when I got introduced to Transcendental Meditation and it's it's been a big part of my life ever since. So, um meditation for me is all about finding that balance like you know mm -hmm. uh, at the time when I was younger I use it very differently to the way I do today mm -hmm. when I was younger I was grieving obviously the loss of somebody very important to me I'd actually mm -hmm. been raised by my grandmother up until she passed oh, so wow. it was kind of like losing a parent yeah um, for sure. but I also had uh, attention deficit disorder mm -hmm. <laughs> so I couldn't mm -hmm. concentrate so meditation for me was actually my way of kind of calming the hype and being able mm -hmm. to get back to listening to, to what was going on inside and kind of seek advice and guidance from spirit guides and this kind of stuff that alternatively you wouldn't be able to access from just this normal realm. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, I agree with you completely. I mean, I, I've seen even over the last, I'd say 10 years, but definitely over the last five years, you know, it's almost gone from um, people talking to me about meditation and, and the, the conversation almost overnight went from what so you sit in a room levitating going um it's like no I literally don't do I don't do any of that um and it's like no that's that's not it and, and but now it's much more oh okay like I've heard of that can I ask you some questions mm -hmm. you know I've been trying to do it with my yoga but how do you access this and what would you recommend for a beginner and yeah, mm -hmm. I think people are much more open to having that conversation, which I think is it's 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 great that that's happening. It's great that people are are much more open to talk about that. I think for a long time, you know, people almost saw it at odds with religion, but you know, mm -hmm. prayer is a form of meditation. Yeah. Um. So it, it's a it's it's just a different name for the same thing. But there are, you know, I know people who uh, are extremely religious of of all different types of religions, and they meditate in their holy places because they find yeah. an extra spiritual connection there. So, meditation is 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 not something to be afraid of, and it's not something to be concerned of. It's simply the vehicle, and and what mm -hmm. you do with that vehicle is entirely up to you. Oh yeah, absolutely, and I love that that uh, we had that conversation earlier. Just the difference between a lot of people just assume like spirituality is religion, religion is spirituality, but there really is a difference. And I think mm. religion is like you know the study, really, like the the way the study of God, and spirituality yes. is more of that connection of knowing God, that that one on one connection. Well, I've known very religious people who are not spiritual yep, at all. Me too. And um, I'm like, huh? <laughs> and, and I've also met very spiritual people who don't subscribe to a religion. Yep, um, yep. But you're right. I think, you know, religion is almost a, it was built on the foundation of spirituality and then almost became like a scientific exploratory discussion as to explain why things are spiritual. Mm -hmm. But you, it's, you know, you need to, I mean, I have to be honest, I, there are things that I go through now and experience now that I don't understand. Mm -hmm. uh, I couldn't tell you how it works or why it works. I just know it does. Mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. And I think that's powerful, whereas religion was was much more about trying to help people to understand things. And then ultimately, you know, people in those religions at the top started to have to make decisions as to what was too much information to give to people. And, mm -hmm. you know, I mean, it's like it's like anything, isn't it? Now, I have, I have friends who, who work. Um, a senior level at different governments, governments globally. I mean, especially in the intelligence world, and mm -hmm. you know, I hear comments from them all the time. Like, if we just announced twenty percent of what we knew, the country would riot. Like, we mm. we we mm -hmm. couldn't possibly give all of this information out because it would be socially irresponsible. Mm. And I kind of feel like that's kind of where religion has got to today. Mm -hmm. Like over the last X amount of hundred years, if not thousands of years, uh, in some religious cases decisions have been made you know about how much information do we give out what what do we share you know what what do we wrap around a parable to try and explain the message behind it but not actually give away the information um but which is why you get people who are almost 
they're they're so religious they're academic with it you know they mm-hmm. quote chapter and verse yes, right, but they right. don't particularly seem that spiritual it's like almost every sunday you turn up for church or every friday you turn up to mosque and for the rest of the week you're just a pain in everybody's backside <laughs> like, like this know-it-all but then there are yeah. other people who've never set foot inside a religious institute but the second you're in their presence you can feel that they have a good spirit you can feel their soul you can feel their connection in fact if with many people you'll say things like they've been here before yeah you know they seem wise beyond their years mm-hmm. um and those people for me are, are far more tuned into the spirituality aspect of things than, than a lot of religious leaders are Oh, yeah, I 100% agree. And I think just even as a child, you know, go to church, probably just feel like kind of uncomfortable. And I think Mm -hmm. it wasn't because it was church. I think because I'm naturally extremely empathetic, that when I would go in there, I would feel the the energy and the emotions of the people. And typically the people going to the churches were very depressed. They mm-hmm. were in negative, you know, low vibrations because they're trying to seek something from going to church to be, you know, they're trying to seek this like solution by going to church, but it was all this negative energy. It wasn't anything that was seemed light or positive where people mm. are going there. That's you know my Mm-hmm. I guess the interesting thing just to kind of go on to that is, you know, I was saying off air, I was a cathedral chorister when I was younger. Um, mm-hmm. So I spent many, many years in a, in a Roman Catholic cathedral, a big Gothic Roman Catholic cathedral in, in Chester, for those of you that want to Google it in the UK. Mm-hmm. And it's a gorgeous building. But I've spent hundreds of hours in this place. And I've, I've been there where there's almost next to nobody there. There's, you know, it's just the people who work there kind of thing. I've, mm-hmm. I've, there is something very majestic about those kind of buildings and the feelings mm-hmm. that you get from them. But I agree. I mean, I guess services, you would almost have a mixture of people who were there to, to celebrate. We had a lot of very successful and wealthy people in the area that would come to almost give thanks to God because of how successful they are. Mm -hmm. But you're right. There would be a large percentage of that congregation who are there, you know, because their life is miserable and they're desperately seeking some sort of answer or some sort of solace to try and help them make sense of this, Mm -hmm. which is, you know, which was unusual for me because I I didn't know anything different. Obviously I was a child. So this was, Mm -hmm. this was what I knew, but then as I've got older, you know, and I've seen, these kind of what do they call them these um you know these prophet preachers kind of thing mm. you know the lord yeah. jesus tells you to give me all your money so that yeah. i can buy a new jet and it's like exactly and, and what like what? and <laughs> what i'm skimming this? back through my bible going i've read this thing cover to cover hundreds of times i don't remember right. jesus ever talking about a jet you know <laughs> and I, 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 you try to go through it it's like no no and it's like uh, well there's this one line in the old testament and it's like god will lift me up high so that means that you've got to give me a chopper oh and it's like, my gosh it's horrible. what are you guys talking so that again like those kind of people and for me yeah. they're i mean i'm going on a bit of a rant here but they're the kind of people who they prey on that percentage of the congregation who are miserable and looking for answers it's almost a your life is in the toilet right now, but if you give me $2,000, God will smile upon you. Right. It's, it's like, uh. what is that about? Like, uh, at no point have I ever learned, uh, and bearing in mind, I studied Latin, so I've read the original text, and no point uh, in, in English or in Latin have I ever read anything about giving you know, individual preachers money in return mm-hmm. for blessings. I mean, that does, oh, yeah. that does not exist. <laughs> Oh yeah, no, it it's it's robbery really. It's manipulation. Yeah. I mean, it's it's one thing if you want to tithe to build, you know, your uh faith in God and to give back to, yep. you know, where you're receiving that spiritual wisdom from, but to mm-hmm. put like a price tag on it and to like feed this manipulative kind of undertone is like, oh, come What's on. What's the stuff that they want it for, right? So if somebody yeah. if, if one of these preachers said to you, look, I'm going to ask you for something now, and it's going to sound really over the top. I want each of you to try and find $2,000 to give me. And what we're going to do with that $2,000 is we're going to go, and we're going to go to a poor part of the country or a poor nation, and we're going to uplift and empower those people in the name of Jesus, and you're all going to be a part of that. You are going to be giving back life. You are going to be helping to build a church for a community that does not have one. God will give favor to that. That I agree with. But... I need a new horse or my old private jet is getting a bit old now. So I need a new one. If you look at the kind of houses that these prophet preachers live in, they're like 12, 15 bedroom mansions. I mean, they, (laughs) and it's like, and and because they're a religion, they don't pay tax. So it's like, they are just take, 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 take. And it's like, 
I don't understand this. Like there are the, the religious leaders that I grew up around with, and I include, mm-hmm. you know, bishops and, and deans of the cathedral and canons of the cathedral in this. Mm-hmm. If they had two loaves of bread for dinner, they'd have eaten half of it and given the other one and a half away. You know, mm-hmm. that that's yeah. the people that they were because they, they are true men of cloth. They are men of God mm-hmm. who, who I may not necessarily agree with everything they believe in, everything they think. Mm-hmm. But the one thing I could never fault them with is that they always have, you know, to, to use a religious term, they have their flock, don't they? They always have their flock's best interest in mind. And, oh, yeah. You know, you look at these preachers and you go, well, I certainly can't say the same for you. Right. Yeah, for sure. I mean, it's just, it's crazy. And I've been to a handful of them and I just, it just didn't resonate with me. I'm like, man, you're talking to me on a screen. I don't even have a real person in front of me and yeah. I'm at a church. <laughs> I'm so what <laughs> exactly it ends, up, ends up looking like eurovision it's like and now coming live from belgium is it's like what's this about like this is a concert sorry i couldn't be here with you in person it's like it's not it's not an awards ceremony you know i've come to church exactly so for me i just i i prefer smaller communities where i can just really connect you know um, for sure yeah well the other thing I want to touch base on is just kind of um, how people can connect their spirituality with also their prosperity, because I've spoken to a few people and they just really struggle with that. And mm. they, they, I know it comes from a lot of subconscious beliefs, um, but they really struggle with like money and God, like those things seem to contradict themselves. Sure. No, and, and I can understand that. I mean, you know, I mean, I can only speak from a, I'm married to a Muslim, so I kind of know a little bit about the Islamic faith, but I can only speak from a from a, a Christian and even a Catholic perspective. You know, I was raised, you know, it's it's easier for a camel to pass through the eye of a needle than it is for a rich man to get in the gates of heaven and all this mm-hmm. kind of stuff. And mm-hmm. you do, st- you know, from that, you can easily derive, well, money is evil then. Um, but the Bible also teaches about giving. It, it, it's all about supporting and loving your neighbors it's about Mm -hmm. it's about giving to those who are less fortunate than you and you can Mm -hmm. you can only give what you have you can't give what you don't have Mm -hmm. so actually empowering yourself only for me becomes an evil act when you only take care of yourself and your interests are entirely Mm self-serving um you know if you're the kind of person that gives 20 percent of your income to charity then continue to give 20 percent of your income to charity when you're making 10 million dollars and ten ten thousand dollars i mean it's Mm -hmm. It makes no difference. Right. What does make a difference is the, the amount of people that you can help. So it shouldn't be two things running separately. They should be one thing, which is build your business from your essence and in a way that connects with you both spiritually and ethically. But mm-hmm. also whilst you're growing this business, keep in mind who it is you want to help and how it is you want to help them. Mm-hmm. I've actually found that having those kind of goals and targets actually helped me to push even further because there are times when as a business we could have gone, you know, we're all right at the moment. We're okay. But we go and win those extra five to 10 clients so that we can donate to more of the charities that we work with in Africa, more of the orphanages. Every time I go, I see another building that we want to build or more people I want to help. I mean, my wife has almost got to the point where she she almost doesn't want me to go to the orphanages in South Africa anymore because every mm-hmm. time I go, I practically want to like adopt a load of children. I can't, <laughs> I can't help it. So my only out, out, option there is because I can't obviously adopt everybody. My yeah. only option there is make their life better where they are. So mm-hmm. rather than take one or two people out of that situation, why can't we make it better for the masses? And actually, that drives us forward. It, it, it's not in contrast to to what we do it's not in contrast to the wealth it's not in contrast to the success it's it's all part and parcel of it it's it's you know we can help more people the more successful we are so why would i not want to help more people mm-hmm. oh yeah i think that's an excellent point and for me i i always go back to just money is just a tool i mean it's the 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 handler of the money and the intention behind it is what can either make it evil or amazingly great of course yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, look, you can you can be buying alcohol or gambling with it or doing something else with it, or you can be feeding a homeless person. Now, are you telling me that God has the same opinion of those who go and gamble all of their money away as he does with somebody who spends their additional money 
um, you know, the same amount of money that that person is gambling, but they spend it on charity and helping people and giving back to their community and to their mm-hmm. church and to the homeless and the less fortunate than them. Like, because uh, this is probably where I, I disagree with a lot of religion and start to fall out with it is, is almost a, I don't believe for a second that I can be generous in this life and help people and genuinely want to do good, not for the sake of kudos or credibility. In fact, most of the businesses that we work with on a charitable basis, we have nothing named on their site to say thank you or anything because we we don't want it. We deliberately say that's not what we're doing this for. Mm -hmm. You know, this is not the YouTube crowd of, hey, look at me filming myself giving this homeless person 20 bucks. It's like, pardon my language, but you're a scumbag. Like if mm-hmm. you're if you're doing that and you're doing it for likes and clicks on social media, you've just completely negated the reason why you're doing it. Mm-hmm. Um, if I could give to people and never have them know it was me, I would prefer that so much more. <laughs> hmm. Hmm. Yeah. No, I agree with that. You know, it's interesting you mentioned that because I watched this video. Uh, I don't know about a couple weeks ago and this guy was talking about how he regretted being a humanitarian and I was like what how like how is that a thing Mm. and so he talked about how you know he was part of this big youth organization with this big church and they had gone to this other country where they had spent two hundred thousand dollars just to send these kids to help build you know these buildings or whatever for the people in those communities but when they got there they didn't know the language the mm. people that were well equipped to actually help that weren't able to really help and you know they, like they didn't have the real background and it would have only cost it two thousand dollars just to build one school mm. so they could have built like a hundred schools <laughs> instead of having this whole like spending all this money just on the trip you know to travel sure. them there and they could have accomplished so much more. So he, I, I was like, I really had never thought of it that way, where it's like, what is actually needed to be helped? Yes. And you know what I mean? Instead of, are you helping yourself? Because it just makes you feel better about things you've done. Like, I just feel, I'm trying to feel better about who you are as a person. Are you actually interested in really helping someone? 100%. I couldn't agree. Well, look, here's a great example of that. I mean, we were talking about the the prophet preachers earlier. You know, yeah. many, many of them say that they want a plane so that they can get to other places in the world and spread God's message. And that's meant to be powerful. Well, why aren't you empowering preachers who already live in those locations so exactly. that you don't have to be flying all over the world in a first class private jet? Um, you know empower the African preachers with the knowledge that you have and the experience that you have so that they can reach more of their own congregation you know we Mm -hmm. talk about this a lot with with billionaires in boxes you know we have a target to empower a billion entrepreneurs and and I always say I'm not going to be able to empower one billion people all by myself that's not how this is going to work right (laughs) how this is going to work is I'm going to empower others who go into empower others who go on to empower others it's the ripple effect Mm -hmm. Um, but at no point am I trying to fly around the world saying, you know, I'm Lord and master listens to me. I'm the only person that can do this. I'm, Mm -hmm. I have constantly have people in my business who I am mentoring either as a client or indeed who work with us so that I can give this power to knowledge to them so that they can Mm -hmm. then in turn go and empower other people. And that's business knowledge, not religious knowledge. Um, but if your religion is talking about helping people and and spreading the word of God, surely it would make more sense to spread that to a group of people who can then go and spread it to a few thousand people each. And you've reached even more people. Exactly. Yeah. No, I really love that attitude. Oh man, this is a great conversation. So for billionaires and boxers, could you just go into more detail about that? I know we talked about like our background and everything, which yeah. is great, but I just want to touch base on just what your company is about and the the beginning of it and just sure how thing. it's grown. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I'm a surveyor by trade. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I went off into the corporate world, uh, got to the board level quite quickly, which was nice of some really large real estate companies and you know, newly married, decided that I didn't want to be in one city in one location. I wanted to be able to travel with my wife. So um, I decided it was time to go solo. Now, rather naively, I kind of assumed that because I had a good reputation, the phone Mm -hmm. would just ring and clients would find me. Mm -hmm. Um, 
that's not what happened. <laughs> um, uh, so I, I won the client who I'd been working with most recently, and I won a couple of competitors who'd been on the wrong side of a few things that I'd done over the years and decided that now they wanted to work with me instead of against me. Right. Um, but I was really struggling to win new business. You know, I, mm-hmm. I detested cold calling. I hated it when people did it to me. So I, I sure as hell didn't want to do it to other people. Yeah. Um, I didn't understand enough about social media marketing to try and really make that work. And I didn't have the budget to kind of do SEO and pay-per-click and AdWords and really compete with my much larger competitors. Mm -hmm. Um, But what I did know how to do was podcast. So by this point, I mean, today, I've now been podcasting for, I always say over 10 years. We worked it out the other day. It's actually 12 years since I started podcasting. That was like the Um, very beginning of podcasting. It was. Yeah. So over 10,000 hours of podcasting and I actually started in sports podcasting. So I left the sports world around the same time um, that fan-owned content was just starting to become a thing in terms of alternative media, podcast, and magazines. And uh, I was really keen to kind of get involved and being kind of a hybrid of somebody who played the game to a professional level um, and and also an avid fan, I was probably the best of both worlds in terms of that that group because I had inside Mm -hmm. knowledge of how these clubs work and of the players, but... I was also a raving lunatic of a fan that would quite happily just (laughs) go on a rant. So um, I grew and sold two sports podcasting networks. So I knew that you could make money from them. I knew that you'd have a lot of fun and network globally. And I also knew that it creates an abundance of authority building content. Mm -hmm. It's like an authority building content machine. Mm -hmm. Um, So I wanted to use it for business. So what I decided to do was instead of trying to sell things to people, I wanted to give, again, give before you receive, right? Mm -hmm. Too many people, it's like, hey, Mr. Company, will you buy my stuff, please? And I'll get off the phone. Whereas (laughs) for me, it was always a, well, let's see whether we want to do business together. I have a podcast that speaks to the audience. Why don't you, a CEO of one of my dream companies, come on and talk to me. Let's build a relationship. I want to learn all about you and your story. And I want to learn about you and your business. And those people who resonated with me and I resonated with them, we did business together. Um, and I grew and scaled two service professional service-based businesses doing that um, and had a lot of fun. And then about five years or so ago, um, I was now sort of keynote speaking all over the world at different industry events. British government was sending me to different events to go and speak on their behalf. And this had all mm-hmm. come about through podcasting. Mm-hmm. Um, so what started to happen was we were now on radio. We had our own TV series and clients started to come to us to say, hey, can you teach us that bit? (laughs) Can you teach (laughs) us like how you did that? Like, how can we have much more kind of authenticity in our sales process? How can we network with people at the top table and start to reach those new levels? Mm -hmm. How can we win more keynote speaking arengements, be seen as a thought leader in our industry by the media and um, and and at the same time, create an abundance of, you know, really authentic content. Mm-hmm. Um, so we started to teach people. So we had two sides of our business when we first started. There was our service-based side of the business, which I literally call turn up and talk. You know, we work on a strategy with you as to who these people are that you want to speak to, whether it's a list of clients or whether it's a list of uh, prospective clients or a list of authority building people in your industry. And then my team go away and book them, get them booked onto a show and you literally turn up and talk. You, you spend an hour with them building a relationship via a podcast and mm-hmm. see where that takes you. Uh, and then we produce sort of 10 to 20 pieces of content um, back then anyway from each podcast, um, mm-hmm. sort of repurposing each episode several times and, and, and really kind of helping you to have that abundance of content that you can then share out. That's progressed today to including things like live events and movies and TV and creating TV series for clients and Netflix and Amazon and all the beautiful stuff that you can think of. We're still doing our radio and TV stuff, but it's, it's mm-hmm. at the moment, it's much more about kind of sharing this message to empower others. You know, I love taking businesses from the position where I was, which was, mm-hmm. you know, stressed about where my next client was coming from and, and, you know, having to put up with people saying things like, isn't it time you go and get a real job oh, um, and, all, and all that kind of stuff to, to suddenly being the guy that, everybody's now coming to saying how did you do that how did you get Mm -hmm. to that stage how did you how did you achieve this how did you earn this how did you manage to grow the team to this size and my answer is always the same thing which is it comes down to authentic networking I just happened Mm -hmm. to authentically network on a podcast meaning I was creating tons of content that I could use for my marketing in the process Mm -hmm. so that's that's us that's what we do nice 
That's solid advice for sure. And I'm sure you've worked with so many people all over the world. Yes, very much so. So in fact, my team, uh, we we are positioned all over the world ourselves. So we've got, where have we got? Here we go. The UK, Ireland, the US several times over, uh, Brazil, South Africa, India, Indonesia, New Zealand, and Australia. That's amazing. So yeah, it's a, a nice global team. We all work remote. So we were ahead of the curve. You know, everyone else <laughs> yeah. was talking about working remote. We've been doing exactly. it for five years. It's like, you guys got nothing. This is easy. We've been doing remote yeah. and flexi time for five years now. <laughs> so are you rookies? <laughs> exactly. Everyone else is like, how do you cope with Zoom all the time? And it's like, like it's literally my life. Like, <laughs> in fact, ironically, that's where the name Billionaires in Boxes came from because mm. it, it was originally called ah. something else. And uh-huh. um, we've been picked up by this radio station that we were doing, but they already had a name for the show. So mm-hmm. when we got picked up by our first um, TV network, they needed a name for the show. And mm-hmm. honestly, everything I suggested, they hated. <laughs> like, wow. like, it was like, no, no, double no, absolutely <laughs> not. It's like, oh, we're never going to get it. So I, in the end, I did what I quite often do, which is I just started having fun. Um, like coming up with the most ridiculous names. And one of them was billionaires in boxes because I'm growing my global empire from home and I rarely put on pants. Nice. And it was like that. that that's the name. That's what we, That's and I was it. like, I was joking. But then before we knew it, what had happened was everybody knew me as the billionaires in boxes guy, even before they knew my name. So wow. we then did a total rebrand of all of our businesses to fall on the billionaires in boxes. And I have to be honest, as a brand, it's, um, it's a real pleasure to be in charge because, and, and really guide this business and, and nurture to grow because I have some awesome clients. I have some incredible people working with me. But every day I get to learn something else about my brand from somebody else. And that's the first time I've ever experienced that about a brand. Mm-hmm. That's excellent. I know that's so inspiring, even for me, because uh, I've just started in the podcasting world just this year. Congratulations. And, uh, thanks. It's been so much fun just mm-hmm. being able to connect with so many people and just talk about what you want to talk about. And I just mm-hmm. think it's great. It's powerful, isn't it? Yeah, it really is. And just the fact that people actually listen to you is like, really? Yeah, I know. That's really cool. I always say as well, it's like the most intensive form of speed dating because there's like a few minutes before each show and it's like, right, here's a five-minute summary of my life. Your turn. Yep, exactly. (laughs) But it's such a great way to get to know somebody because, you you know, you, you get this little... This little taster beforehand, which I kind of think of as like the synopsis on the back of the DVD box, and mm-hmm. then the, the you know the movie itself is is the conversation. And I love the fact that it can go down a rabbit hole. You never know where it's going to go. Um, and you know that's the joy of podcasting is that you know you take this podcast as an example. Um, my listeners will see that I'm on this show, so they'll come on and have a listen. And if they've enjoyed your content, they're going to stick around and listen to more and then become a follower and subscriber of what you do. Mm-hmm. And the same thing happens with your network. There'll be people listening to this thinking, this guy's a lunatic. Like, well, I should never hit, listen to him again. Oh, no. And, the, and there'll be other people who'll be listening to this going, you might have a point, this guy. You know, yeah. they, they come and check out some more of our content, see what we're all about and go, I like this. I'm going to follow and subscribe. And mm-hmm. That's what I love the most about podcasting is it completely does away with the whole business competition thing. And it all becomes mm-hmm. much more about partnerships and collaboration. And, and I love that. Mm-hmm. Very good point. I think that's something that most people miss because they focus so much on just the money that, you know, you have to have some partnerships and community in there to really grow if you really want to grow yeah. that way. I mean, look, my attitude towards it has always been why reinvent the wheel? I mean, you know, people say, okay, well, we're going to start making money from sponsorship and advertising. So we want to get to, you know, 100,000 subscribers as quickly as possible. And it's like, well, number one, if X amount of those customers you know, turned into customers, what happens to your business right now? Can you even handle that many customers? Because mm-hmm. most businesses can't. And if they can't, then it's like, why Why do you want to be famous for 100,000 people if you could only handle 5,000 new clients? Like that doesn't make exactly. any sense. Right. But it's also the fact that how much money, time and effort would you need to spend trying to target to that audience and get yourself out there? Whereas mm-hmm. actually, if I wanted to reach 100,000 new people, I would just go on two podcasts this week that both have an audience range of 50,000 each and get them to introduce me to them. I mean, that, surely mm-hmm. that's the quicker way of doing this. Absolutely. And for me, just as a personal question for when mm-hmm. you're doing your podcasting, 
how do you make sure that do you just give out the information like do you have courses do you have online training with billionaires and boxers like how do you balance giving enough information and then also having that valuable information to share as well so what i share a lot is what it can do and how and and sort of how to do it and how to go and take those steps what i don't share other than outside of our mentorship and our courses and obviously our done for you service is the strategy that works mm-hmm. um you know only 10 percent of podcasters worldwide will ever monetize directly or indirectly from a podcast mm-hmm. um i've been doing it for 10 years and i've grown and sold two of these networks i know exactly what formulas work and what don't mm-hmm. even down mm-hmm. to the these are the kind of messages we need to send to guests to get them interested. These are the things that you need to focus on. And, mm-hmm. um, so for me, I think a lot of it comes down to almost the, the podcasting and what I give away is to help people take those first few steps. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, if you are a small business owner and you know, you're, you're listening to this, you probably don't even need to fully work with us. You know, you can probably piece together from what I've said on different interviews and be able to make it work for your business. But what I would say is it's kind of like the same as you could if you really wanted to follow a YouTube video and go and build yourself a website, but it's never going to be as good as going to the guy who's been building them for 20 years and has all the awards. Right. Exactly. Um, and it's the same kind of mentality. Like I, I, I'm not sitting on a secret here that I don't want to share with people, but it, you know, likewise, I'm never going to give everybody the full roadmap unless they're a client and working with us because what would be the point? You know, there's a reason that we are selective with the clients that we work with and that's that we have a social responsibility. I mean, the, the things that we teach help people mm-hmm. to become recognized as an authority figure and influencers in their market. And mm-hmm. the unfortunate side of that is that would work equally as well for a financial advisor selling a Ponzi scheme. Mm-hmm. So we are very selective as to who we work with and who we empower with this information, which is, again, another reason that I don't just kind of go out there and say, here it all is, there it is, because before mm-hmm. you know it, it would be being abused by the same people who are abusing the Facebook and Instagram ads. Hey, mm-hmm. I can grow your business to seven figures in the next five minutes. Just pay me $2,000 <laughs> and then my page will disappear <laughs> in a week's time. You know? Right. And it's like, well, yeah, you have money. But and that's the thing I covered. I was talking to someone earlier about, and I'm like, this person shares this story about how to quit your job today because I became a millionaire in two years. Well, you became a millionaire because you're telling people that they can become a millionaire. Absolutely. They pay you this amount of money. It's like, oh my gosh, not everybody has that same, you know, roadmap that they just want to talk about becoming a millionaire. Mm, and you so, know what? It's, it's not even necessary for a lot of people. I mean, yeah, it, it's people have confused wealth and success. Yeah. Um, you know, I, there have been times when I have been solely focused on money and and I've shared this story before on other podcasts, but you know, I had this financial target for our coaching business. And I was like, Mm -hmm. once I hit, you know, there, I'm, I'm going to be happy. I'll meditate more. I'll relax more. I'll take better care of my health. Mm -hmm. And when we got to that point, I was miserable. I was overweight. Mm -hmm. I was miserable. My marriage wasn't going that well because I was, I was practically ignoring my wife because I was working all the hours of God sent. And I remember having this thought process like, well, maybe it needed to be 2 million. Maybe it needed to be 5 million. Like maybe that that wasn't the number that I thought I was going to be happy. Mm -hmm. And then what I realized was, you know, I wasn't practicing what I preach. You know, I, I, I had lost my essence and lost what I'd connected to. And I ended up really kind of taking a step back. And for a short period of time, you know, it wasn't as financially lucrative, but now mm. we've actually surpassed anywhere that I was when we were aiming for money. And it happens in a really fun and organic way. Mm-hmm. And, you know, instead of having to try and do all of this by myself, because I'm sharing a message, I have this passion and I'm, I'm trying to empower people, other people come and do this too. So I'll give you, I'll give you a great example. Um, a marketing team uh, based in the States, I did a podcast with them and the guy came to me and was like, look, I've been on your website. I had a look through what you do. And what I really need is your $20,000 coaching package. And I was like, okay. 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 And he's <laughs> like, but I don't have the money right now. Cause I've literally just set up this business. I used to work for one of the big agencies and now me and a colleague have gone solo. So I put uh-huh. all my money into this. And he said, what if we did a trade? What if we help design your landing pages, your website and your marketing funnels. And in return, you do the coaching and stuff for us. But they only did that because they resonated with the fact that I'm trying to help people and I'm mm. trying to uplift people. Mm-hmm. Now, 
only last night did I have a phone call with that same team saying, we've been giving this a lot of thought and consideration. What do you think about us almost, you know, putting our business to one side and just becoming the marketing arm of billionaires in boxes. We want to join you on this journey. Mm. Um, we want to come with you because together we can empower more people. Now, if mm. I was all focused on making money, 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 I'd be attracting other really money hungry and greedy people. Yeah. But by kind of putting my message out there and saying, you know, here's my flag, <laughs> planting it in the ground. Here's who I am and what I stand for. You, you know, I have this saying that I use a lot, which is your vibe attracts your tribe. And yes. that doesn't just work for clients. It works for partners and people as well. And, you know, business is a team sport. So the better people that you surround yourself with, the more games you're going to win. Yeah. And that I think podcasting has been a great tool for me and my clients to be able to not just kind of become oversubscribed when it comes to clients, but also make sure that we're working with the right partners. And it, and, and it gives us a moral barometer as well to say, how does this feel? Like, yes, we have somebody saying they want to partner with us, but do they share the same ethics? Do they share the same morals? Are they trying to empower the same people? Because mm -hmm. if they are, there would be absolutely no reason why we wouldn't try and find a way to work together. Mm -hmm. Exactly. And I like the fact that you mentioned about, you know, being selective with your clients because mm. it's really all about the mindset. Uh, because I think, Sometimes if people have just an ounce of information, they'll run with it. It can become very dangerous because it's like jumping in a car. You don't know how to drive, but so you got true. the car. So I think that's a really valid point just to make sure that it's like, we want to make sure you have the right mindset before you just jump in and start trying to apply, you know, maybe you took in only 20% of what I said, and then you're going to come back and say, this didn't work or this did this. Yeah, you know, <laughs> it's almost the... To be honest, it, there is definitely an aspect of that, but it's almost that it's not that it, it, it may not work for them. It's that they may use it for the wrong thing. Wrong um, reasons. Like they, they might use it to try and convince customers, look, look at all these fake shakes and gurus over there. I'm the authentic one that you should be giving your money to. But actually, they're just a snake oil salesperson as well, trying to sell the yeah. same nonsense. So, you know, this is why we very rarely work with startups. We typically work with businesses that have been in existence three, five years plus because mm -hmm. they already have a foundation. I can already see who they are. I can already mm -hmm. see how they treat their customers. So what I think of, of this tool is it's about taking somebody from being the best kept secret in their industry with an established business to being mm -hmm. the go-to brand for what they do. But mm -hmm. We are the spotlight. We are the stage. But if I'm going to put a spotlight on your business and it's rotten to the core, that's all that's going to show. Mm -hmm. Whereas if you are a good person and you genuinely care about helping your clients and enriching people's lives and making money in the process, there's nothing wrong with making money, right? But yeah. if, if you want to do this in the right way, you're exactly the kind of person I want to work with. I will put a spotlight on what you do, you know, and, and help you to attract other people to your clan, to your tribe, you know, whether that's a, a business mindset, whether that's a, an emotional, spiritual mindset, whether even that's a religious mindset, like I like working with other evangelicals, you know, let's mm -hmm. go and find more of those people. Great. But let's find an authentic and genuine way to do that that shows who you really are and allows you to appeal to more people. So mm -hmm. it should be seen as that. It's the spotlight rather than mm -hmm. the magic wand. Yeah, absolutely. Very solid point for sure. Well, Phil, I really enjoyed this conversation. Was there anything else you wanted to share? Maybe how people can find you or get in touch with you? Sure thing. No, thank you so much for having me. Um, Absolutely. I'll share uh, I'll share a little bit of where to find me. And then if I may, I just want to share like a nice place to start because it's, it's somewhere yeah. I've directed, especially in beginners that are, um, haven't been kind of doing meditation yet. There's a few people that I'd like to recommend. So yeah, um, you can definitely find us at billionairesinboxes.com. Uh, we have a nice selection of our podcasts on there on our podcast journey page as well. So I'm sure you can get lost down a rabbit hole and go and enjoy some of that content, um, either shows that we've done or shows that we've guested on. So I'm sure you'll have a lot of fun. Um, or indeed, I have a really unusual surname, which is spelled P-E-L-U-C-H-A. So if you Google Phil Pelucha, you'll find all my social media pages. Reach out however feels best with you. Um now, two people's names I'd give you, so everyone should be scrambling for a pen right now or heading to notes on the iPhone, right? Um, definitely check out a guy called Jason Stevenson. He's an Australian mm. guy. Mm -hmm. uh, and there's another guy called Michael Seeley, okay? Mm. Again, another Australian guy. Maybe I like Australians. <laughs> um, 
but both of them do like the best guided meditations on YouTube that I've come across. Like I nice. really like both of these guys. And what I love the most about, especially Michael Seeley does a lot of hypnosis stuff. So his stuff's really deep. Mm-hmm. Jason Stevenson, I always jokingly say that I think he's about 10 years further ahead on the spiritual journey than I am. Because every time I find something out that I feel like I've just discovered something, I go and search for it and find that he did a guided meditation video on it like four or five years ago. So, wow. <laughs> so like he, this guy is, he's really good and you can, you really get lost and there's things like um, wind down podcast, wind down uh, audio recordings to kind of help you to sleep. There's things about helping you to get your energy. There's things about helping you to connect to your feelings, let go of demons, which I know is a, a subject you've covered on previous podcasts. Mm-hmm. Um there's a whole lot of this stuff there that can really kind of help you get to that next level. And and actually I think, you know, combining a couple of those guided meditation sessions with let's say the Tony Robbins morning priming exercise, mm-hmm. you will start to feel def- very differently about your spirituality. And, and I'll tell you this, this is what I love about it. I use that as my barometer. Okay. So I'll be feeling up that high frequency, that high vibration. Mm-hmm. And if a decision starts to take me away from that, I start to question why. Why is this particular action, this particular person, this particular conversation taking mm-hmm. me away from that feeling? And I use that as my barometer to say, what more can I do in my day to remain attached to that feeling? And that's mm-hmm. literally the barometer by which I control my business and guide my business. And it drives people crazy from time to time because they will be trying to discuss things with me on a logical basis going, but what about this? And what about this? And it's like, there is no point arguing logic against feeling. I'm going with what feels right, whether I can explain it to you or not. Mm-hmm. And there is a tremendous amount of power, both internally and externally, that comes from being able to do that. Oh, yeah. Very, very good point. And I like that you focus more on um, the vibrations. Like, there's a difference to me personally, I think, of a vibration that you feel like a positive, like, mm, yes, this is right, this resonates, this feels good, versus just happiness. Very much Be- so. Because I like to bring attention towards that happiness is more of a temporary motion, just like sadness and anger, and so to speak. Mm. And it, it's, it's not um if we chase happiness it's like it's temporary so you're going to be chasing your tail mm. if you're constantly wanting to be happy you're not really kind of designed to be happy all of the time we wouldn't no. progress or like move forward up ahead if we're always in that happy state so i like that you um highlight just feeling those positive emotions where you're you feel that gravitation towards this is resonating with who i am mm. versus like I just feel really happy right now. Yeah, see, but a, a pos- positive emotion and spiritual growth is really surrounded by, is rarely surrounded by happiness. Exactly. Um, you know, I think a lot about the, the charity work that we do across Africa. It's rare mm-hmm. that I go into any of those places and don't spend the day crying. Um, yeah. Because, you know, you would be, there'd be something clinically wrong with you if you were walking into an orphanage in, in somewhere in Africa and you're feeling happy. Like, yeah. this situation is not a happy feeling. You can mm-hmm. feel good and fulfilled because you're helping people and you're enriching and empowering people's lives and you can have fun whilst you're out playing with the kids and you're creating a difference and all that kind of stuff. But it's not, happiness is not an emotion that I would use to describe that. Yeah, um, exactly. And, you know, there's some of the, the most emotional and moving times of my life, both in church and out of it, have come during very emotional services mm-hmm. uh, and very emotional growth. So, you know, I'd almost have, I'd almost argue you'd probably be happier if you were less spiritual. If you thought there was nothing else going on, the only thing that matters is right now, this second. So live for the moment, do your own mm-hmm. thing and have no responsibilities. It'd probably be quite easy to be happy. But yeah. when you've opened your eyes and you've seen the heartache that's in the world and that becomes a driving force to help you to do more good, it feels good and you feel satisfied. And there is a, a feeling of gratitude that comes with that, but it's not a feeling yep. of happiness. Not at all. Correct. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. That's what I'm trying to kind of help people to understand too. Cause I, I mean, I don't know about you, but I've noticed this obsession to be happy and like, I don't feel happy. If something's wrong with me. I'm like, no, <laughs> no. Well, I mean like people saying that this year saying, you know, there's, there's mental health problems and people are being put on, you know, antidepressants and all this kind of stuff. And I, you know, I, I remember sort of wincing when I heard that on the news and I'm thinking, yeah 
they're not sick. It's a it's a perfectly justifiable emotional reaction mm-hmm. to the awful year that we've all had. I yeah. mean, you'd have to be pretty loopy to be happy with this situation. I mean, exactly. It's, we've been away from our loved ones and our family and can't travel and people are losing. Every time we turn on the news, it's about thousands of people losing their jobs or people protesting or people dying. Like mm-hmm. if you've managed to remain happy during this time, maybe you're the person that needs medicating. Um, right. Not the person who's going, hey, doctor, I'm feeling really down at the moment. They don't need mm-hmm. medicating. They need telling. Yeah. You know what? I hear you. Maybe we could do like a virtual group or put you in touch with a counselor or get you a, a group of people that we can talk to and network to because you are not alone. People need reassurance that they're not alone, not mm-hmm. convincing that, hey, here's a label. You're depressed. You're this. Yeah. You've got an anxiety disorder. It's like, no, they are upset because it's been a dodgy year that's really taken its course on everybody. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, I think for, for me, the whole culture of you've got to be happy, it's the same, it's the same kind of culture of, um, you know, the confused health and happiness. They're not necessarily the same thing. Just as they've mm-hmm. confused wealth and success, they're mm-hmm. not the same thing, which is why, I mean, a funny story, actually. I got introduced to a company about a year ago. I won't name them. As much as I dislike them and would love to, I won't name them. <laughs> but they, they're they a company that help marketing experts um, to win more clients. And the way that they do that is by taking you into like a movie-style studio thing where they've got a private jet and they've got a newsroom and all this kind of stuff. And they take pictures of you in these really expensive looking locations that you then share out across your social media page to make oh. it look like you've been, you know, to this really seven star <laughs> hotel in Dubai and you've been on this private jet and look at you stood, you know, Dan Locke does yeah. it a lot, doesn't he? Look at me stood next to my bed oh, yeah. kind of thing. And that's because people have confused wealth with success. So what they do is they look at these people who outwardly look very wealthy and go, they must be successful. I want to learn from them. I'll buy their course. But you hit the nail on the head before. Most of them are now wealthy and successful because they're selling schmucks courses as to how to become rich. It's like mm-hmm. I, I met somebody that did this about a couple of years ago. He was selling courses to teach recruitment business owners how to scale a multi-million dollar recruitment business. Well, number one, he'd never scaled a multi-million dollar recruitment business. And number two, his recruitment business was failing, which is why he set up his coaching practice to get some additional money in. Oh, my God. So, you know, be really, really careful as to and, and here's a good way of being able to tell. Right. This is one that I use a lot. Anybody who's truly an expert in something really dislikes the term expert, mm-hmm. because the more you know about something, the more you realize that you don't know. <laughs> yeah. Um, yep. So the people who go on TV and call themselves an expert at what they do, mm-hmm. nine times out of 10, they don't know jack, right? Yeah. It's the people who are the thought leaders who pull a bit of a face when you call them an expert. I get it all the time. You know, podcasting coach expert or podcasting expert, Phil Paluccia. And it's like, listen, even if I was an expert at one stage of podcasting, the industry changes so much every day that it makes me uncomfortable when you use that term because that kind of puts this additional pressure on me. Like I have to know everything. And Mm -hmm. the very first thing I say to my clients is right now I might be teaching you step one through four, but that's because I'm busy learning steps four, five, and six. Exactly. Right. And, and once I've figured those out and I'm on to seven, eight, and nine, then I'll start teaching you the next bit, but I'm on this journey too. I'm just a few steps further ahead of you in this ladder. That's it. Oh yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. And I think you made a really good point. And the other thing to look for is, is this their actual background? Like, did this person really, like, is this a part of who they are? Is this a part of their life? Is this something that they've learned over time that they're wanting to share with you? Mm -hmm. Or is this just focus on just a get rich quick kind of a thing? You know, Yeah, those things drive me crazy. Yeah. Yeah, it's so annoying. And it's like, wait, hold on, but there's more. It's like, oh, gosh. Here's the upsell and uh, this upsell. And if you do this, I'll get because you're on this webinar, I'll give you this for the special price of this. Yeah. Like somebody said to me the other week, are you going to do a Black Friday deal? I was like, no. Like, why why would I do a Black Friday deal? It's like, well, you know, you're supposed to offer a discount to people. I was like, I'm oversubscribed, dude. Like, why? Why would I go out and offer it? And more importantly, why would I go out and offer it for less? Like, what we've tried to do is not overprice it. But also try and find something that is a fair trade. That's something we talk yeah. about a lot in our business, which is exactly. if somebody's going to be spending ten, twenty, fifty thousand dollars with us in a year, 
Mm-hmm. I'm gonna. They're spending that amount of money because I am a hundred percent confident that I can help them achieve far more than that. Whereas mm-hmm. if we start charging somebody, I don't know, two hundred thousand dollars in a year, I'm thinking, okay, we've now got a big target to hit because I'm. Go- I- I've got to get that person to at least five hundred, six hundred thousand, or I'm not going to be happy. Never mind them. Right. Um. So it's just more pressure for us. So, you know, these guys who are all like, I can turn you into a millionaire and all this kind of stuff. It's like, how can you say that? Because it comes down to the attitude the the aptitude and the ability of the person mm-hmm. who you're coaching um, yeah. just because these things worked for you doesn't necessarily mean that they're going to work for somebody else right so th- these all these crazy guarantees you know and and you just you hear them and every time you hear them you, you cringe um yeah. and, and again i've had loads of clients who come and work with us you know we we've got a i was gonna say 100 percent success rate we don't have 100 percent success rate i've given one refund in five years um wow. so which is which i think is pretty cool all that's the still really really impressive yeah i still love that you know and actually the irony was that that person ended up referring other clients onto us i think it was just more of an acceptance that they didn't have the time we just didn't click together as people um but they mm-hmm. loved what we did and actually ended up recommending clients who are still with us to this day so um so there's definitely some positives there but you know it's that's because we're selective over the people that we work with. You know, this whole, I'll take anybody and turn you into a millionaire kind of thing. It's like, I'd be very skeptical about that. Yeah, definitely. I think it's more of, let me teach you some techniques (laughs) versus I'm going to totally transform you into this. Yeah, for sure. Absolutely. It's like the, the skill sets that we try and teach people, they can then repurpose in other businesses and other aspects of their life. It's about, giving them transformative tools that they can then yes. go and apply. What it's right. not is a magic pill. Swallow this, say this, and everything works. Because yeah. that, if that's what you're looking for, I'm really sorry to disappoint, but it, it doesn't exist. Yeah, exactly. And I think that's what a lot of people try to do. They don't want to do the work. Um, mm. So but I think because a lot of, not that all people do that, of course, but I'm mm. saying people that gravitate towards that whole like shortcut type of mentality mm-hmm. those are the ones that get preyed on the most because people know that they have that type of mindset yeah, for sure and do you know what's really sad about that is society created those people yeah by kind of showcasing hey look at me my rich life and all this kind of stuff exactly. if, you, if you haven't got a hot wife with fake boobs and a bentley you're nothing you know if you're not wearing a suit that's worth ten thousand dollars to go to walmart you're a bum it's like mm-hmm. none of that stuff is true and actually i can honestly tell you from first-hand experience I am enjoying the journey of getting to those places far more than I think I'll actually enjoy being in those places. Um, mm-hmm. And I can tell you that from somebody who did aim at money, you know, I had that financial target and we achieved it and I was miserable. I was mm-hmm. so miserable. Whereas mm-hmm. like, I love what we do because I'm very passionate about it. I, I honestly love the people that we work with because we've cherry picked them and because, you know, it's, it's, it's almost like choosing a spouse, right? You don't just say yes to the first person that walks through the door. You've got to see whether you resonate. Do we get on? And here's a big one for me. And my clients know this all too well. I don't think I've shared this outside the, the, my clients yet. Um, if I'm not passionate about helping you to succeed, I'm not going to work with you. Um, mm-hmm. Like that's the number one thing for me. It's like, do I want to give you a spotlight? Do I want to give you a space? Because mm-hmm. if the answer is no, if, the, if, if I'm like, I think this guy's a bit of a Muppet. You know, I don't really want to work with him. Um, <laughs> like, I'm not going to do it. And, and people find that really hard to understand. It's like, well, I'm here. My, my, I got my, my card in my hand. I'm ready to go. And it's like, well, I'm really sorry, but I just don't. I'm, don't not, feel I'm not feeling it. it. Like, I'm, yeah. I'm not, and if I'm not feeling it, I don't want to do it. And actually, people will be listening to this thinking, that's crazy. Why would you turn away business? My business is 100 times more successful because I know when to say no mm-hmm yep very solid point for sure i think that's the most important thing because i mean either way if you say yes to something you're saying no to something else of course yes mm-hmm. absolutely there's only enough hours in the day so make sure that you say yes and here's a big lesson i had to learn especially when i fell ill earlier in the year um was i rest the same amount of time that i work and mm. what and i don't include sleep in that so if I'm mm. doing four hours work a day, I'm doing four hours of resting around and relaxing with my family at the same time. Nice. And, and because of that, I am very careful with what I say yes and no to because 
every time I say yes to somebody, I see it as this is an hour that I'm not going to be spending with my little girls and my wife. So do I really want to do this? And if the answer is, you know, I really love this person. I really want to help them. Then it doesn't feel like work and Mm -hmm. I, and I will make time. But the days of, of, I, I, it's kind of one of the reasons I left the corporate world was because I got told who I had to work with. Yeah. Um, and I don't like that. So honestly, I think people can take a, hopefully take a lot away from this, but if they take nothing else away from this, it's, it's, you know, a bit of advice that a mentor gave to me many years ago, which is make more decisions with your heart and less with your head because your mm. head doesn't know any more than you do. Mm. Mm. Mm-hmm. I love that. I'm definitely writing that down. (laughs) (laughs) That's true. I mean, the heart was actually the first thing created. It's kind of the reason why I call it heart blend podcast, but the, um, thank you. The heart was, was created before the brain, you know, where we had a heartbeat before we had a brain. So Mm -hmm. it's very true. Mm -hmm. It's easy to manipulate the brain. It's much harder to manipulate the heart. Yeah, definitely. For sure. Awesome, Phil. I love this conversation. Thank you so much. A real pleasure. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. Well, I can't wait to just see the more trans transitions and transformations and things that, you know, happen with your company and seeing how you continue to grow, um, even just outside of monetary things, just seeing oh, how sure. you expand because it's it's never ending cycle. Thank you so much. No, it's a, it's an exciting journey, and and I feel like uh, I feel like we're still at the very beginning of it. You know, we we've just got funding for our very first uh, business and professional development movie that we're doing recording at the end of twenty twenty one. So there's a lot of really exciting things in the cards for for billionaires in boxes over the next few years, and and I love that because the more we do, the more we can help people and empower them, and ultimately that's why we do what we do. So I love it. Very inspiring. Well, I'm going to let you enjoy your Saturday. I know it's a little late over there and I want you to get back to your family. So thank you so much. You are most welcome. Thanks so much for the invite and uh, thank you to your listeners. You too. Bye-bye. All right, Love Tribe. Thank you so much for tuning in. I do hope that you enjoyed this conversation. We covered so many different topics, but it was really, really fascinating and wonderful experience. How do you think you're going to start off 2021? Are you going to be more spiritual, more business-minded, focus on prosperity, getting more in tune with yourself? What do you want to focus on? So thank you so much for tuning in and have a wonderful rest of your day. This is Heart Blend Podcast.